And we're live with Dyslexia Coffee Talk. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Ashley in Texas and Enid in California. How are you doing today? Oh, wonderful. I'm so excited to be here with you again. (laughs) It's always fun to talk. I I mean, I don't know. How much do we talk at this point? (laughs) What? Every day. I know. It's, It's truly remarkable that we started out as colleagues and two people that really respected each other and we have become truly dear friends. Yes. I I count on to just be able to under, I can, I can talk to you without worrying that you maybe don't understand me. So that's (laughs) I know that you're going to understand and I don't have to ever explain. And that is to me is priceless. And so I really wanted to say one thing really quickly that um, you reminded me this week that I needed to, remember (laughs) self-care and so you know as only a really good best girlfriend will do you know like hello you need to remember yourself and self-care and so i think i just wanted to throw that out there to everybody today too is to um not forget to take care of yourself and put yourself first and you know really nurture yourself so then you can help others and nurture other people and what's so funny about me telling you to engage in self-care is I am terrible at it for myself. I know. <laughs> so it's something that I definitely need to engage in. And it's really funny that I wrote my blog post earlier this week on self-care, but it's, you know, when you sort of hit your own personal wall and recognize that you needed self-care, it was the timing of it was just so powerful to me because you weren't the only friend in my life that all of a sudden was slamming into a wall of just exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And it was, I don't know, it just kind of seemed to be the universe sort of screaming out that, you know, it's time to take a little reminder, you know, the first grading period is over. Everybody's stress levels are really, really high as these ARD meetings are kicking in as, you know, the parents, the comments, the communication, everything, you know, really kind of starts amping up in our world and Christmas is around the corner. So then you get the family stress added into it too. It's just, oh, and then with work, you've got the end of the calendar year is approaching. So all of your work goals, are you on track for, I mean, it's just, it's like everything's sort of being bombarded right now at the same time. And it was funny to me just how many of my friends all of a sudden were slamming into a wall. Like I said, I had one friend in my car crying saying she doesn't even know who she is anymore. We have another friend who, you know, just kind of threw her arms up earlier this week and said, I need to back off and focus on me and my family and mm-hmm. totally get that. Because I think that it's so hard sometimes to even be able to recognize that we need to step back and, um, you know, and we all need reminders for self-care. And I think men sometimes need more reminders than women even because they don't have the girlfriends yeah. saying, hey, you need self-care. So I think we just need to all remember that and to remind each other that, you know, really, because it's been wonderful. <laughs> I had three hours in the salon with Lisa Williams here in Chico people that she is just it was it was the best self-care somebody could have. So, yes, I, I agree. <laughs> And very grateful for that. So we want to move on to assistive technology, but I really just think it's important that we talk about that too real quick. Definitely. And I'm probably, once we're done today, I'm probably going to go schedule a massage for myself as my treat to myself. So, you know. Yeah, <laughs> self-care. I know. You can't just remind me and then not do it for yourself. I know, right? Yeah. 
So we wanted to talk about assistive technology today because um, it sort of it came up in my own advocacy for my own son. And as Enid and I started talking about that in relation to how it's going to impact my son, we started to really have a dialogue about how kind of it needs to be more more of a dialogue than it is. You know, a lot of people in the community understand, <clears throat> excuse me, what assistive technology is and that it is needed, but that's not the whole part of the equation. And that's a lot of what we need a lot more dialogue going on about in relation to assistive technology. So with my son in particular, he has essentially slammed into wall number two in his dyslexia journey. Fortunately, it's not as dramatic as wall number one. You know, he didn't go running into it at a thousand miles an hour, beating his head on the wall, screaming, I'm stupid. But how it's manifested itself is that he, this is a child who has actually, ironically, always loved school and now he no longer likes school. The ramp up in the content happened a year earlier than we thought that it would. And so he is really struggling keeping up with his peers because of his dyslexia, but profoundly because of his dysgraphia, the writing content is where he's significantly slammed into this wall. Yes. So verbally he can meet the rubrics that the school has designed, but when he has to turn around and write it, he's not generating the output that he is expected to be able to, to generate but then again really quickly on just yeah. that um because we're going to go way in depth <clears throat> to how how to determine what each child needs but one thing i want to say about that one scenario is you have these extremely bright children who can say and think of things that are brilliant i had a student the other day a very, very brilliant young man that i talked to and he says i can create games in my head but I can't explain it or describe it on paper. Hmm. So he said it so eloquently and, and that's so many of our children, whether it's a game in their head or it's you know a, an idea or a story. Um, and so one of the things I really wanna bring up right now is the districts will love to use what we call low tech and they'll give a graphic organizer that a student can write on, right? Which hmm think, okay, the student struggles with writing, so let's give them a graphic organizer, a low-tech one that they can write on. That right. makes a lot of sense. So instead, there's really great graphic organizer programs out there, one being inspiration, there's the novelist, that helps these kids organize these thoughts. Right. So we're going to go into a lot more detail on things, and, and you're going to continue, but what I wanted to just say is the graphic organizers are so important for these kids who have all the really great ideas and mm -hmm and they can't get them out. So it's not just speech to text. It's about also helping them get those thoughts out. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great point. So the conversation that you and I were having on Monday specifically after part one of what will end up being a multi-part ARD again, I'm sure, <laughs> is because my child can verbalize enough to meet and more than enough really to meet the rubric within the classroom, but he's unable to 
write that, that I recognized that he needed a speech to text tool. So we have an assistive technology evaluation, but, but the evaluation was done in April when everything was still very low, you know, the needs in the classroom as well as for my mm -hmm. child were still very low tech. So while the assistive technology evaluation says that he doesn't need assistive technology, it ends by saying that he can have and the district will support him having whatever assistive technology tools that he wants. That sounds like they're saying he needs assistive technology. I know. It's sort of, you know. Well, they don't realize that's what it sounds like. But when they say something like that, they're actually opening the door for you to get assistive technology because they can't have it both ways. They can't say they don't need it, but we're going to give it to them because you wouldn't give it to them if you didn't need it. Right. But from a negotiation standpoint, to me, it also feels like a black hole that how much am I really going to negotiate when you're saying that he doesn't need it, but he can have whatever he wants, you know, well, is that going to generate yeah. a push and a pull yeah. that I may not be able to climb over? That's when I think you would want to request an IEE for assistive technology. Right. And so that led to a great question that I asked you earlier this week is who would I even ask an IEE right. who, for, from whom, would I even request an IEE on assistive technology? Because it's not like a denial of dyslexia, right? You know, where you can say, I, I need another neuropsych, a diagnostician, something like that. This is this is do you do you go to a neuropsych for assistive technology? Is it a completely different field? You know what I mean? It's at least with assistive technology, I'm really kind of getting out of my personal depth of knowledge. This is going to be a new part of this journey for me. Yeah. Well, and that's a question I think we both need to, because I would say educational therapist, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a neuropsych that's an educationally based neuropsych, um, but that's something for us to explore and then put on initiative. But for mm -hmm. what we have right now for the school districts and the negotiation and all of that, there is the, um, and this is very important because this is something that parents, everybody can access it. It's called, and we're going to put it on initiative today. It's called the AIM Consideration Form. It's put out by the federal government and it's very in-depth. It's at least three pages and it's what they, the federal government says to the districts, here is what you're supposed to be looking at when you do an assistive technology eval. Mm -hmm. And if you're not looking at all of these things, you're not doing a thorough enough assistive technology eval. Right. So that is the weapon that we have as well. You know, <clears throat> thing we have as parents to go in when they say, oh, they don't need it. And you go, oh, well, but we, did we consider all of these things? Because it doesn't appear as these things were considered. And so if those things weren't considered, they haven't done their legal obligation to do a thorough assistive technology about. And right. every parent who has a child on an IEP has um, the right to, to request a full assistive technology about. And I think that that's so important. And that's something that, you know, that's one of the things that I like that we're, you know, why we're doing this is so that we can get information like that out there that, you know, it. It shouldn't be so hard. It really shouldn't. And they shouldn't just say, oh, this is what we're going to give you. And this is what we give all students. It shouldn't. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But it, you know, it kind of goes to a point with the meme that we created earlier today from something that you had said that we thought was really powerful, which is assistive technology is about assisting the struggle not replacing the mastery of skills. And that's something that gets forgotten a lot of, oh, here's your tool. 
you'll be right. fine in the classroom now. We don't need to worry about your handwriting, your uh, reading ability, because the books are just going to be read to you. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I was the assistive technology evaluator for my district for several years. And during that time, I was fortunate to go to Closing the Gap, which is one of the world's largest assistive technology conferences, and got to spend four days learning a lot about assistive technology. And I think one of the most powerful things was one of the first uh, workshops I went to where this gentleman said, the idea of assistive technology is to take away a couple hearts. So for instance, so if a student has something, a task where everything is hard, the idea is not to make everything easy. So mm -hmm. if you have a student who has fine motor difficulties and actually forming the letters is extremely difficult, that's one hard. Then if you have a difficulty with formulating your thoughts, that's another hard. Mm -hmm. Now maybe you have difficulty with spelling. There's one more hard. You have three hards and you can't have three hards in a task. So the idea of the assistive technology is to take away two of the hards and leave one hard that you might be assessing. And this is very important because a lot of these kids are getting passed through given assistive technology to kind of like be a band-aid to make, make it so that they don't have to work on the underlying skills. And so basically now you have one thing left. Maybe it's spelling. Maybe you're not going to give assistive technology for the spelling because you want to see where they're at with the spelling. Um, so then you give them word prediction software or you give them speech to text. Um, if it's fine motor, you take away that hard, but maybe there's another time where you let them write something out because you want to assess their fine motor. So you get the idea. The idea is to be able to always have one thing that you're actually assessing or you're working on. And the other two things are, you know, three or four, whatever it is that's hard, you're taking those away and you're giving them something to make them be able to compete, you know, compete with their peers. Um, does, does that make, did I explain that okay? Because to me, that made so much sense. No, I think I think it was a great explanation. I think it's important to reiterate that that's during the evaluation process. Um, that's no, 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 that's just all oh. the time. They always have okay. one hard. Because the point is, is that you're, I'm not saying one hard to make it really hard for them, but what I'm saying is that if there is a writing assignment, you're not going to just basically make it all easy for them because then you're not allowing them to be challenged and you're not allowing them to be working on, on one skill that they need to be working on. Okay. So by leaving one hard, it allows them to be working on that skill that they still need to be working on. If you, if you take it all away, they're not working on anything that they need to be working on. So we just had a question popped up based on something right. that you were specifically saying. So we've had a request to specifically touch on assistive technology for spelling. Okay, so like what to do if they're, okay, so again, you wanna be able to sometimes allow them to work on the spelling. And then other times you would do, um, well, speech to text can be difficult if they have articulation difficulties or speech issues. Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't work for every student, but, um, but uh, word prediction software is one um, for spelling. So again, though, if the spelling is, um, if they're not using speech to text and they're typing, mm -hmm. um, sometimes word prediction software doesn't work if their um, spelling is so off. But again, that is why um, the law says, this is really important. The law says that they, um, the, the school districts are not allowed to, assistive technology is not allowed to be prohibited by cost or availability. 
So there can't be this situation that I'm seeing in every IEP where the school districts are saying, oh, we give that to everybody. And you're like, well, that's great, but this is an individualized education plan. We right. don't want what you give to everybody because yeah. Google's great for some people, but Google's ability to give uh, to do word prediction software at the level that our students need it is not appropriate. Right. So they need more sophisticated software to be able to recognize what they're trying to spell. They need more sophisticated software because many times more sophisticated more sophisticated software includes high, a larger vocabulary base and these kids as we know a lot of times have huge vocabularies and so we can't limit them with their assistive technology with limited vocabulary bases and that's really important with things like the exam pens for the exam pens there's the great you know there's the simple exam pens that are super cheap that have very limited you know word base vocabulary base and so of course, if you pay more, you get more words included in, in the pen. So um, I'm not sure that I answered the question about spelling. Um, what so it, it would base so basically what's really important, I guess I want to bring up about that is that assistive technology is based on the student. And so you it's hard to say what would be the best tool for someone in a certain grade or what would be the best tool for a student who needed something with spelling. Um, because it's that is why the the aim consideration form is so in depth, and why assistive technology evaluations should be very in depth. The best evaluators I see out there, they spend time with the kids. They get to know the kids. They understand the preferences and the limitations. They understand that some kids need a lot more and some kids need less. Um, and so the spelling, you know, we'll put on we'll put what we can do on a dyslexia initiative is we can put a list of different kinds of apps that would be great for spelling, for yep. um, all those things. Because actually, to be totally honest, I can't think of them right now. My mind is going blank on the actual, what the tools, so. So I think this, this is a good uh, opportunity to talk specifically about like my son and the conversation that you and I were having, right? Mm -hmm. So the conversation within the ARD meeting itself was Google Docs has word prediction and that's good enough. But for my child who has a vocabulary years in advance of what his age is, you know, that was the first thing that you pounced on was you went, that's a completely inappropriate tool for this particular child. Mm -hmm. Because it might be great for another is so big. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I said it might be great for another child. Right. Not your child. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And that, you know, and that's kind of what got you and I, at least on this tangent was because that statement, it's good enough. And, you know, it's, it's sort of the easy button in the classroom because all the kids are already working in Google docs and, you know, let's just have them talk into Google docs. But this is a child with slightly more than moderate dyslexia and pretty profound dysgraphia that needs more than just what Google Docs is going to be able to provide to him. And so because he's got an IEP and he has kind of a disappointing assistive technology evaluation, you and I started exploring the conversation of what what is really the right answer for this kid. From my perspective too, he's never, okay, 
I need to rephrase a sentence before it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. So he's had three years of remediation. He's done Linda Mood Bell um, because we live in Houston. He does the Nye House program. He's now in the what's called book three, which is the last book of this initial Nye House program that he's in. There has been everything so far has been about the rules of language, the rules of decoding, the rules of everything about teaching him how to read. Book three gets a lot more into the metacognitive piece. Where'd you go? He disappeared. <laughs> oh no. someone who knows what I just kept talking <laughs> someone who knows what they're doing um, who can train the teachers and train the parents and train the student so I just wanted to paint a quick little picture of a really great scenario I was in an IEP um, with a family we've been working with this district and one of the bright lights in this whole process that we were in was our assistive technology evaluator she was such an amazing professional and so qualified to do the evaluation. She spent a lot of time with the student. She got to know the student. She knew exactly what his preferences were. And preferences is the most important part because I don't like speech to text because I talk fast and I think faster than I can speak. And so things come out jumbled and it doesn't work for me. So other people I know who have my same challenges love speech to text. It's a lifesaver for them, but it's a preference thing. Um, I really don't like any assistive technology because it's not something I was ever introduced. I so I, and I hate technology. So for me, if someone said, "Oh, we're going to give you assistive technology because you're dyslexic," um, I think it would just really stress me out. So again, that's happened to a lot of kids too. We get them in high school. And they've struggled for a long time and we, we say, oh, well, let's just give them assistive technology. They don't want to look different. They don't like it. They're not used to it. So it's really important that we start giving these kids this assistive, assistive technology when they're in, you know, as soon as we can, as soon as we can start to take away some of their hearts so that they don't feel so anxious about things, but they still get to try and work and be challenged and and do the things they need to do. So, and I think it's important because in a lot of meeting or meetings, in a lot oh, of. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I just really quickly because I didn't just so the assistive technology evaluator needs to be training the people. So I don't know if I said that. So it's all the package of the assistive technology evaluator. It's not just special ed teachers or regular ed teachers or principals saying they need it or they don't need it. It's someone very specifically. So when the, the classroom teacher isn't getting properly trained and, and, and knowing how to use it and how to support the child in it, that is really a principal issue because that's where you would go to your school principal and you would say, mm -hmm. who do we need to go in the district and talk to to make sure that they're making sure this is happening? And 
what and what I was saying ties very strongly to that because a lot of the articles that I've read about assistive technology, specifically things like speech to text as a specific example, right? Mm -hmm. There's a learning curve for the person that's using it. Right. You can't just, you know, you can't just open the tool and have a conversation like, or, you know, talk into it like you and I are having this conversation right now. You have to say, period, begin new paragraph. <laughs> so you got to have punctuation too. Right. Right. So you have, yeah. and there are great edit, editing tools where, you know, you can, you can edit as well, but it's so important to understand that it's not just, oh, here's a tool, yeah. go forth and conquer. That's, that's not it at all. Um, and so a lot of students fail with it and don't end up using it. Same thing with the C pen. Um, those exam pens, those C pens, um, one really important thing I wanted to say about that, that is not to be in place of reading. That is not so the students doesn't have to read. The way I use it with my students is I have it so that they read as many words as they can. And when they get to a word they don't know, they have the C pen read it for them. Mm -hmm. So, but they need to be taught that. Otherwise, right. they don't know how to use it. They just kind of scan it. They, you know, and so by by allowing them to use it on the words they don't know, they're learning how to track. They're they're following along. They're hearing it and seeing it. So it's it can be a valuable tool that's not replacing the learning. Right. So I think a big part of why you and I wanted to have this conversation was just to help inform parents that as part of the IEP process, you can absolutely request an assistive technology evaluation. Mm -hmm. But what was really an important facet for me when you and I were talking about this earlier this week was you need to understand the specific needs of your child, regardless of what their age and grade is and how best it's going to help your specific child. Um, and not what Google Doc is, what Google app is available at the school. So right. again, really important, not prohibited by cost and not prohibited by availability. Use those words with the school district because right. they need to hear parents say that because they literally, they're getting away with saying, oh, we have that for everybody. We have Google. We have Google and Chromebooks and that's what we're going to give your student. No, if my student needs iPad because there's certain apps that only go on an iPad that would seriously benefit my child, then, then you need to at least assess and evaluate the benefit or the lack of benefit for that. They can't just say no. And so I've worked when I, when, when we were in my district and I was assistant, um, I have a shadow assistant, um, assistive technology evaluator, we bought the tools. So if, if somebody said, um, I really think my son needs a LiveScribe smart pen, we bought the LiveScribe smart pen because we had to be able to say, yeah, no, we tried the LiveScribe smart pen with your child and it wasn't effective. But then we had the LiveScribe smart pen. So next time somebody came along and we needed to assess if it benefited them, we would then use it to, you know, we would assess that. So uh, they actually have to acquire the tools to determine yes or no. They can't just say, oh no, they wouldn't benefit from inspiration or the LiveScribe smart pen or the seat pen. They can't determine that if they don't try it, so. Right. So, and what I wanted to add to was there are a couple of really good resources. So I'm a big fan of Jamie Martin. Um, his knowledge on assistive technology and how it helps the community is really, really great. And I'm sitting here trying to Google his specific website and I'm not really coming up 
with it, but you can simply Google. Well, we can put it on later, huh? On initiative. We, we will. But what I was going to say for at least this was we, uh, all you have to do is Google Jamie Martin assistive technology and page after page of just Jamie Martin is what comes up. Nice. Two is that, um, learn, you know, tools like learning ally bookshare. Those are really great. Um, um, I think pretty much every district in the country has something about that. Yeah. None of my students like bookshare, not one. I've never met a kid who likes bookshare and they all like learning ally better because it has a more realistic voice. So, but all districts get bookshare cause it's cheaper. So right. if they come to you and say, Oh, I want, you know, we're going to give your kid bookshare say, no, I'm sorry. I want learning ally cause it has realistic voices. Yeah. So. And the funny thing is my son hates learning ally. Okay. <laughs> Does he like bookshare? He does not like Bookshare. He exactly. likes, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't mean that every kid likes audiobooks, and so that's where it's a preference thing. You know, but have to... he does. He wants Audible. Okay, well then there's Audible. So you, yep. but then they need to get Audible for your student and for your mm -hmm. child, and it's, it's yep. because it's not prohibited by cost or availability. Like, and mm -hmm. so that in the AIM consideration form, I think, mm -hmm. will really help parents feel more empowered to go in and say, oh you didn't do all this stuff and how right. can you make that determination? Right. So understood.org also has a lot of information on assistive technology, different apps, yeah, um, the breakdown of the apps, how, you know, yeah. which apps sort of fit into which buckets. And what I mean by buckets is dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, this dyscalculia, um, so don't be afraid to use those resources and we will, we will list those as well. But um, it's about, I mean, this is a journey and we're going to talk a lot more about it. I know in my blog, I'm going to talk a lot more about this while I go down this road. I mean, I'm going to learn about all of the tools and until we find what's the best fit for my particular child, we're going to keep trying to trying the tools um, because I don't, I want to have a voice too in what tool he gets at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. A great evaluation is going to figure that out, but I also really want to have an in-depth understanding of it myself so that I know for certain that it's the best tool so that as he and I have our, you know, our mom son talks and, you know, really get down to the crux of what he's really feeling in his heart that I have confidence that it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was going to say really quickly, there was one more question that we didn't, somebody had asked, what's the best assistive technology for a third grader? Yeah. Um, I think for, and so one thing I was going to say really quickly, just on what you were saying is that the only way to know the best one for anybody is to do a full eval. So if the district says, oh, they don't need that, or we're going to give them this say, and, and what evaluation did you do to determine that? Right. So, I think that, you know, that's a good question because I think there a lot of people are just saying, nope, they don't need it. This is what they're getting. So, right. Yeah. And I know that the, the particular parent that asked that question, I know what district she's in and she happens to be in my district as well. So, yeah, you have to request it and request it in writing and in writing. keep requesting it. And I had one district um, actually uh, do process uh, precedent setting case in Irvine, California, and we fought for assistive technology for four months. And then they finally gave it to us, which then they acknowledged that they should have given it to us two years before. And then it became part of the findings in the due process case. So you, you can't just let them say no. Right. You have to 
keep reminding them of, you know, uh, your legal right and, and, you know, what is actually, and that's why the AIM consideration form is so helpful because it was put out by the federal government mm -hmm. to say, this is what needs to happen. So, Absolutely. and then one really quick thing, because it's one of my favorite tools. I know I'm going to do this every time. Um, the LiveScribe Smart Pen. And the reason why, and people don't quite understand the, the use of it that I, that I find so valuable, but when kids are taking notes and they're at the high school level, it's a simple little pen. It looks like a pen like anyone else has. Nobody's handing notes to this kid and making him read notes that somebody else wrote. He literally or she can put a dot, like a like an outline, and write as much of the notes as possible. But because the dot is there and they pressed record, it's also recording the notes. So they're allowed to be independent in writing their own notes, but what they miss, they can go back and listen to and fill in. Nice. So, it's a perfect example of assistive technology allowing a student to compete with their peers, but still be independent. And it's expensive, so nobody wants to get it, but you, if you can get it for your high school student, it's, it's life-changing. Nice. So with that, we are four minutes longer than we Sorry. said we would do. No, 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 we both did it, and hey, I lost my camera. So. Oh, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us, and we will have more Dyslexia Coffee Talk. Talk Please send your questions. It really helps. And I know sometimes oh. I just ramble, but <laughs> I hope that I said something that made sense. Definitely. And don't forget our website, the dyslexiainitiative.org, Facebook at Dyslexia Initiative. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And we even have a YouTube channel. So we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. <laughs>